Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. You know, you don't have to live very long in this world to learn that good news rarely comes from a graveyard. Uh, But on the day that brings you here today, that's precisely what happened. Against all odds, good news burst forth from the grave when Jesus of Nazareth was resurrected from the dead. And his resurrection changed everything. By coming back from the dead, Jesus clearly distanced himself from all other religious leaders throughout history who claimed to be sent from God in some special way. I mean, to this day, the tribute to their deception is a row of grave markers with occupied signs hanging on them. But Jesus's tomb stands open and empty And if you've seen it in person, as I have, the reality of his resurrection, the impact of that empty tomb is overwhelming. This is not religious folklore. Uh, This is historical fact. It is documented and it is real. And because of the implications of the resurrection, hundreds of millions of people all around the world stop what they're doing on this holy day and they go to church, either in person or online. Some go to remember, others go to rejoice, still others go to recalibrate. By that I mean to ponder the significance of the resurrection, to determine what impact the resurrection can have on our lives today in 2022. Someone said to me recently, Matt, I don't doubt Jesus came back to life. I just wanna know what difference it can make in my life. He was wondering if the good news from the graveyard 2000 years ago was just news or if it was news that he could use in his everyday existence. And you may be wondering that very same thing. Well, in an attempt to help you remember and rejoice and maybe even recalibrate a little this Easter, I wanna focus on four brief conversations Jesus had with people shortly after the miracle of his resurrection. Each of these conversations can be summed up with two words that I think carry every bit as much uh, meaning to us in 2022 as they did to Jesus's listeners in 33 AD. The first conversation comes as the disciples, upon hearing the rumors that something strange had happened at Jesus's tomb, race to the place where Jesus had been buried. In mid-stride, they run smack dab into their resurrected savior, which nearly resulted in fatal heart attacks for the whole group of them. In fact, the term terrified would capture the feeling. One of the writers of scripture mentions that the disciples fell back and stumbled all over each other. Well, in the middle of all that chaos, Jesus looked at his followers and he said two words, fear not. Now what adds punch to this first conversation is that this is not the first time Jesus had challenged his followers in this way. I think I could build a a pretty good case that one of the major objectives in Jesus's three-year ministry was to help his followers conquer the tyrannizing power of fear. Now, I'm sure I don't have to spend a lot of time convincing you now how destructive and immobilizing fear can be. Uh, You may know that all too well. 
Uh, I read an article recently about a young woman whose parents left her on a set of cold concrete steps when she was just three days old. Uh, they just walked away from her. Uh, she was put in an institution for unwanted children, and that's where she grew up. And she described the terror of Visitor's Day. Uh, you see, Visitor's Day meant a couple would be coming to check her out, to visit with her, to determine whether or not they might want to adopt her. And some of these couples would just talk with her. Uh, some would actually take her for the day. Some would even take her to their home over the weekend. But all of those visitors eventually wound up doing that same awful thing to this young girl. They took her back to the institution and they said, in effect, thanks, but no thanks. We don't want you. I mean, this went on month after month and year after year until the fear of another rejection ran so high in her that she became physically ill at the mere announcement of another upcoming visitor's day. I mean, I was choking back tears reading this article. She said, to this day, whenever anyone expresses interest in me, whenever anyone wants to get together with me, I'm terrified that at some point, I'm gonna hear those words again. We don't want you. Thanks, but no thanks. I mean, her life has been wrecked by fear. Fear is powerful. And it's very real to a lot of people. And it may be real to you today. You may be well acquainted with the suffocating effects of fear. Maybe you feel the burden of financial pressure just weighing heavier and heavier on you and you're scared. Maybe you're living with a physical or health-related fear. Like the young father I prayed with last week, he, was, he, he has brain cancer and he's going through experimental treatment that, I mean, it literally wipes him out once a week and it's uncertain whether or not it's making a difference. It's life and death and he's scared. Maybe you live with the aching fear that you might have to live alone for the rest of your life. Maybe you have a fear of being caught. You know, maybe you're involved in behavior that's involves deception or is unethical and you know that you would be in big trouble if someone found out. Maybe you fear dying because you know deep down you're not ready in your relationship with God. Fear is every bit as real to us today as it was for the disciples in the first century. We can relate to those uh, pulse quickening, like stomach turning stabs of terror that strike unannounced and leave us gasping for breath. And on the very first Easter, our resurrected savior said with greater authority than he ever had before, fear not. Look at me, he said, I'm back from the grave for real. For three years, I've challenged you to believe in me and to believe in my love for you. For three years, I've asked you to choose faith over fear and I've told you that I'll help you. I've challenged you to take off the heavy chains of fear that bind you. And now today, as you see for yourself the unmistakable example of the power of God, like I want you to realize once and for all that the very same power that brought me back from the grave is available to you. So fear not. That Easter and this Easter, the resurrected Jesus is saying to you and to me, listen, you don't have to cave in to every fearful thought that enters your mind. You don't have to cave into it anymore. You don't have to manufacture elaborate horror stories about your future and then write yourself in as the hopeless victim. You don't have to live constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop. You can make the choice of faith over fear and it's a better way to live. 
You can believe the best about the kind of future a loving God would want for you. But please, Jesus says, don't settle for a life that is tyrannized by fear because really that's not much of a life at all. Fear not, Jesus said on the very first Easter. I wonder if you need to hear those two words from the risen Savior this Easter, 2022. Fear not. I wonder if you need access to resurrection power in order to turn fear into faith in a specific area of your life so that you find freedom from the tyrannizing power of fear. Resurrection power is available to you today if you will access it and act on it. All right, the second conversation happened because One of Jesus' disciples had been absent when Jesus first appeared after the resurrection. And when the other disciples, with excitement, told him about the resurrection, this disciple almost got sick to his stomach. And finally he said, you know what, stop it. I'm not a fool. You can believe all you want in the resurrection, but I've already blown three years of my life. I'm not wasting one more day on anything associated with Jesus. It's over. He's dead. Don't you get it? Let it go. And then in total frustration, he blurted out, I would have to push my finger into the wounds on his hands and feet, and I would have to stick my arm into his side before I would ever believe in the resurrection. I think Peter probably wanted to ask Thomas how he really felt, uh, but he probably held his tongue for the first time in his life. And shortly after Thomas's tirade, a group of people were gathered in a room, and all of a sudden, Jesus appeared out of nowhere. And it became very obvious to everyone that he wasn't there to join in the fellowship. I mean, he was on a mission. He was looking around the room at each of the people one at a time like he was trying to find someone. And then he locked eyes with Thomas. Now, if I let my imagination run a little bit on this one, I'm reminded of old Western movies where two guys square off in a saloon and while they're staring each other down, everyone else is like diving behind tables and generally kind of making themselves scarce because they know there's gonna be some action. Well, I sort of picture Jesus squaring off in front of Thomas and the other disciples remembering Thomas's doubting tirade a few days earlier, and they're fearing the worst for Thomas. So they're sort of getting out of the way thinking, oh man, Thomas is gonna get it. I mean, he's gonna really regret opening his big mouth. And so they cover their eyes and Jesus walks within a foot of Thomas's face and the room is dead quiet. And then everyone hears Jesus say two words to Thomas, touch me, not beat it, not drop dead, not get out, not go to hell, but touch me. You see, those words communicated volumes about the character of Jesus. Thomas and the other disciples learned a lot about Jesus that day. And I'm hoping you will learn something about Jesus today, namely that he's not angry or afraid of honest doubt. In fact, he warmly invites anyone, anyone who has questions about him to come and to seek and to ask and to touch. He wants to clear up the fog, which is sort of liberating, isn't it? I mean, how different Jesus is from all the narcissists out there who demand blind loyalty from followers and who disqualify anyone who has the audacity to doubt. How different Jesus is from self-appointed gurus who uh, seek to intimidate or brainwash unsuspecting people into following them. Jesus says, touch me. I mean, that ought to be good news to you. 
if you have more questions than answers and if you have more doubts than faith, I think the resurrected Jesus has two words for you today. If you're carrying doubts, touch me. Deal with your doubts. I mean, don't discount them or deny them or run away from them or bury them. Ask your questions, do your homework, consider the evidence, read the Bible, read secular history, look at the facts, listen to smart people who have devoted their lives to determine if the Christian faith is real or a pack of lies. Feel free to check it out. The resurrected Jesus says, feel free to check it out. But, and I think Jesus would add this tagline, once you check it out, once you check it all out and you've done your homework and you consider all the evidence, then act honorably. Don't lie to yourself about the findings. Make a high integrity decision once you've done your homework. Do the right thing once you know the facts. That's what Thomas did. I mean, Thomas weighed the evidence. He fell to his knees and he said, my Lord and my God, I believe in you. I know many, many, many people who have honestly investigated for themselves what really happened on Good Friday and Easter Sunday and how much evidence there really is to back up the claim that Jesus is God's son, the only savior of the world. And I would urge you, if you have questions and doubts, to do the very same thing. Start your own personal search. Need I remind you how sweeping the consequences are for deciding one way or the other about Jesus Christ? I had a fascinating discussion with an atheist recently, and at the end of our conversation, he said, well, Matt, it's obvious you believe one way and I believe a different way, so let's just agree to disagree and leave it at that. And I said, there's only one problem. I mean, there is coming a day when we're both gonna find out who's right. I mean, we're both banking our lives on and our eternal destinies on totally different alternatives. And they're mutually exclusive. We both can't be right on this. One of us is going to, in a sense, hit the jackpot and the other one is gonna be an unhappy camper for the rest of eternity. We're both gonna find out who is right. I mean, in just a short time, really. And so I said, you know, I just want you to know, I'm not flying blind on this one. I've done a lot of homework. I've probably read a hundred books on the evidence for Jesus Christ. I've done a lot of thinking and talking with people about it. I've weighed the evidence and have come to my conclusions on it. And I just wonder if you've ever really done your homework. I could almost hear Jesus whispering to this guy, come on, touch me. Don't just spout the party lines of a bunch of dead cynics. Seek honestly for once, seek for yourself, ask your toughest questions, but then deal honorably with the answers you get. I mean, if nail prints are all you need, I could hear Jesus whisper, you know, I'll show you mine, like I did with Thomas. I'll reveal myself to you if you only do your homework and search honestly and act honorably. I wonder if you need to hear those two words from the resurrected Jesus today on Easter. I wonder if you're way past due in dealing with your doubts about the Christian faith. I wonder if you're just spouting off party lines that you've heard other people say and you've never actually dug into the evidence for yourself to come to an honorable conclusion in and of your own right so that you can have strong convictions one way or the other about the Christian faith. When are you gonna do that? My suggestion is you take the time between this Easter and next Easter to resolve your doubts one way or the other and to do it honestly. Do your homework. Get a Bible and read it. Find some good books to read. Read evidence on all sides of the issue. 
Listen to other uh, messages from other teachers at Blue Oaks if you think that will help. But as you're doing your search to resolve your doubts, know this, the resurrected Jesus is not afraid of your investigation. He welcomes it. He invites you to check him out, to touch him. All right, we're gonna look at two more conversations Jesus had in just a moment. As Matt said, Jesus is not angry or afraid of honest doubt. Maybe you've been told doubt is harmful or wrong, that you don't or can't question God. But if you don't ask questions, you don't get answers. And without answers, questions grow into lingering doubts, which can push you away from Jesus rather than bring you toward him. Doubt is often the foundation of faith. And Christianity isn't about having faith in faith alone. In Greek, the language of the New Testament, the word for faith is a derivative of the word for persuasion. In other words, faith is not a blind, mindless acceptance of things you read or are told. Faith is confidence based on convincing evidence and the Spirit of God working within you. If you have doubts, don't run from them. Embrace them, not in a way that they control you, but rather that they challenge you to study and learn and open yourself to Jesus' invitation to touch him. If you're ready to face doubt head on, email me at scotthouse at blueoakschurch.org. There are so many great resources available for your research, and I'd love to provide you with a list. Here's what I believe. If you honestly open your heart and mind to Jesus, he'll meet you there, answer your questions, and address your doubts. Let's rejoin Matt as we continue looking at these statements of Jesus. All right, the third conversation I wanna highlight is a direct challenge that Jesus issued shortly after his resurrection. Uh, he simply looked at people in the eye and he said without a hint of apology in his voice, follow me. If you believe I'm God's son, the resurrected savior of the world, then follow me. Follow my teachings, follow my example, love people the way I love people, serve people the way I serve people, care for the poor the way I have, feed the hungry, visit the sick and lonely, remember forgotten people, share with the needy, lift up the downtrodden, lead high integrity lives, like don't cave into lust or greed or pride, do my bidding, whatever I ask. I say it again, follow me. And in that day and in this day, whenever people hear a challenge like that coming from Jesus, oftentimes something inside of them wants to cry out, I will. I know there's no, no one else in the world worth following. I'll follow you wherever you lead, however you guide, whatever you want me to do, I'll follow you. But just when you're ready to take that first step, there's another voice that demands a hearing inside of you, isn't there? And this voice says, like, hold on a second. Like, just slow down a little bit. I mean, think this over. You've got one life to live, it's almost half over, and you're actually con contemplating submitting what's left of your life to a leader that you can't even see or talk to or uh, you know, hear directly. That's good, you know, the, the lottery is a better gamble than that. Like get a grip on yourself. This is your one and only life you're rolling the dice with. And then comes the kicker. 
and I'm sure you've heard this voice before, the voice says, I mean, you commit to following Jesus Christ and you can kiss your freedom, your individuality, your sense of adventure and any hope for fulfillment in this life, just kiss goodbye. Because what he's looking for is a bunch of low life, look alike, act alike losers who don't have anything better to do with their lives anyway. And the voice says, that's not you. You've got a lot to live for. You've got brains and talent and potential, places to go, things to do, goals you want to achieve. So whatever you do, stop this foolish talk about falling in line and following Christ. I mean, it's religious nonsense. He doesn't care about you anyway. I don't know about you, but maybe I'm the only one who hears that voice. I've got to make a choice every day about who I'm going to follow. And there are times when I do something courageous and, you know, about to follow Christ. And I hear that voice saying, don't do it. You're a fool. You'll lose more than you gain. So how do you deal with that voice? Well, the resurrected savior of the world stands before you and me saying, follow me, trust me, obey me, cooperate with my plan. And if you do, you will be richly rewarded a hundred times over in this life and all throughout eternity, I promise. But follow me. And that pesky little voice keeps chattering, you know, it's a scam, don't do it. So what do you do? My strongest counsel for you on this Easter 2022 is to take a risk every day of your life and follow Christ. Follow him. Find out for yourself if he's really going to come through for you and back up his promise. Find out for yourself if his love is real, if his counsel is wise, if his wisdom is true, if his plan for your life is good. I mean, find out. I heard a man once lament the fact that Christianity is not untrue. It's just widely untried. And I agree with him. I wonder if you're willing to climb down from the fence of indecision today and say to the living Christ, all right, starting today. I will follow you. I will. I don't want to go to my grave never having honestly attempted to follow you fully. So starting today, I will. I'm going to need your help. I'll need your patience and power. But to to the best of my ability from this day forward, I'm going to honor you in everything I do. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to obey your word. I'm going to respond to your promptings. I'm going to stop whatever you tell me to stop doing. I'm going to start whatever you tell me to start doing. I'm going to follow you flat out, Lord. And I'll find out for myself if, uh, if you'll back up your promise with blessing. And if your plan for my life is a good one, I'm going to take that risk. I'll follow you. I have a feeling maybe you're listening today, Easter 2022, to hear those two words. Maybe you, you've strayed from the path over the past several years. I mean, you didn't mean to. You just wound up somewhere in the gravel somewhere and uh, you're not following after Christ as closely as you once did. Or maybe, maybe you've never taken that risk. Are you going to go to your grave never having fully attempted to follow Christ, to find out if what he said is true? Maybe today you would say for the first time, I'm going to make a total commitment to following Christ and just find out what happens. And I've got good news for you if you're willing to take that risk. It's news from the writers of scripture, from my own personal experience, and from watching people for over 25 years of being a pastor. Christ honors those who follow after him fully. He does. He gives them a new kind of freedom, better than the freedom the world offers. I mean, he gives them a mission. He gives them a purpose. He gives them a sense of adventure. 
He gives them satisfaction in their soul. Follow Christ. Follow him. And find out for yourself if it's true. So fear not. Touch me. Follow me. Let me briefly mention two more words that come from a conversation Jesus had before his ascension. When he looked with earnestness in his eyes at his followers and he said, go out. Go out into the world and spread the news that moral failures can be made right with God because of what I did on the cross. Repentant sinners can find forgiveness and the shame and the guilt can be removed. Alienated men and women can be reconciled to God and walk with him closely. Go out and as you go out and spread the news, people will respond, they will. I mean, if you're willing to go out, people will respond. And then you'll be doing your part in bringing about a kind of worldwide renewal. As you can imagine, the eyes of Jesus' followers were probably like saucers. I mean, what, Lord? Like worldwide renewal through us? I mean, that's a huge vision. I mean, what a challenge. I mean, that'd be worth getting out of bed for every day. But you would use us for that? I'm reminded of the story of Steve Jobs in the early days of Apple, who realized that you know, the incredible growth of this company necessitated hiring an experienced executive who could, pro- who could provide overall leadership to the company. And so young Steve Jobs went after a seasoned uh, top executive with Pepsi-Cola Company named John Scully. Uh, after win- whining and dining Scully and, you know, getting the sinking feeling that he probably wasn't going to leave Pepsi to come to Apple, Jobs finally took Scully to an apartment overlooking Central Park in downtown New York. And he tried one last time to get Scully to come to Apple, but it wasn't looking good. And so finally, in a last-ditch effort, Jobs looked Scully right in the eye, and he said to him, are you telling me you're willing to settle for selling sugar water for the rest of your life when you could lead a company that could change the world? And Scully wrote in his book years later that that challenge knocked the wind out of him and eventually caused him to leave Pepsi and to join Apple. You know, like John Scully, you were wired by God to resonate with this challenge of bringing change to the world. But I got to tell you, iPhones will not impact the world as much as leading someone into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Believe me. When a love-starved person is introduced to the love of God for the first time, when a lonely person finally experiences the richness of the companionship of Christ, when a shame-filled, guilty person finally finds forgiveness in Christ, when a wandering person suddenly finds a purpose for his life, I mean, that's huge. And it creates transformation in the life of an individual. And a powerful chain reaction is then set into motion. I mean, that transformed person begins to touch other people in his life. Like a husband affects his wife, parents affects their children, Uh, friends tell friends, coworkers tell their colleagues, and little networks of Christ followers are formed. And then churches are established and ministries are launched that really touch people. And pretty soon, change is breaking out all over the place. I mean, the poor are getting cared for. The hungry are being fed. The sick are getting visited. The lonely people get loved. Needy people get served. Wounded people start becoming whole. And before you know it, that corner of the world is changing. But that chain reaction has to be initiated by someone who's willing to go out. 
someone who's willing to step out of the shadows and create some action for Christ, someone who's willing to say a word for the risen Christ in a lost and confused world. In a very real way, worldwide change hinges on those two words, go out. And I have a feeling maybe you're listening today just to hear the resurrected Jesus say to you, go out. Don't settle for spending the rest of your life selling sugar water. There's something more important to be done on this planet than just making a living, buying some trinkets of toys and going to bed at night. With the help of God, with an authentic faith, with courage to go out, I mean, you can be that someone who sets into motion a chain reaction that will change a little corner of the world. But maybe for you today, you need to say, this is the day when I plant my feet down and I say, God, with your help, I'll go out. I will. In my corner of the world, with your help, I'll start that chain reaction and I'll do something a whole lot more than sell sugar water. Are you ready to go out? I mean, what's a higher calling? What would give you greater fulfillment than starting this chain reaction that will change a corner of the world? All right, so four conversations, four two-word statements from the resurrected Savior. I don't know which one you needed to hear today, but I'll bet you needed to hear at least one of them. Maybe you needed to hear fear not. You need resurrection power today to turn fear into faith in a particular area of your life. Do it. Maybe you needed to hear touch me. Maybe you needed to be challenged to mark today as the starting date when you're going to resolve your doubts. You're going to weigh the evidence and act honorably with the outcome. Maybe you needed to hear follow me because you've drifted off the path. Maybe you needed to hear go out. You know, start a chain reaction that will change your world. I just pray that whatever you needed to hear, that God would underline that in your life and you would take action on it starting today. All right, let me pray for you. God, I thank you for this day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I thank you for these conversations that he had with his followers. And I thank you that you're speaking to us in a very same way 2,000 years later. And there are some people that are listening right now that need to turn fear into faith in some area of their life. So I pray that you would continue to challenge them, continue uh, to speak to them. I pray that they would hear those words from you, fear not, and that they would take action. God, some people are struggling with doubts. And like Thomas, they need to hear those words from you today, touch me. So I pray that they would, they would, do an honest search and they would discover the truth about who you are and the kind of relationship that you wanna have with them. Some people need to hear those words, follow me, and they need to get back on the path and to follow you, to seek after you, to do what you say, to stop doing the things that you want them to stop doing. So I pray that you would continue to speak those words. Some of us need to hear those words go out and actually do, your work in this world to go advance your kingdom in this world. God, whatever it is that we need to hear today, I pray that you would just continue to speak that to us. Help us to, to take those words very seriously. Help us to continue to uh, hear from your Holy Spirit 
and continue to move in the direction that you want us to move. And I pray that you would continue to do this amazing work in us. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, If you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, For directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, And we hope to see you on Sunday soon.